Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Matthew 6.33. Read this verse off your uh, outline together. Out loud. Ready? Go. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be provided. Number two on your message notes. Once you're lined up loving God, first and foremost, then then you're ready to love others unselfishly. And that's the beautiful thing about agape love in every relationship, and especially marriage. We are called to love one another with the purest form of love. And you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and let's read the first three verses. Now, what we know is the Corinthians, who were pagans, and they've heard the gospel, they were worshiping false gods, people were... The ones who were already married come, were coming to Jesus. Sometimes a husband was coming before the wife did. Or sometimes the wife became a believer before the husband did. And they write a letter to Paul, and they ask Paul some instructions. Evidently, some were questioning by the, what we can read in Corinthians. They were questioning if they should stay married or even get divorced, since now one member of the marriage is a believer and the other's not. And Paul is saying, no, 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 stay together. Because you may win them over. And Paul's trying to bless the sanctity of marriage. And he's, he's telling them how important it is that now they're believers. But there was also an issue about intimacy. And you need to understand the cultural background. Because in the Greco-Roman world, women were a possession to a man. They had no rights. I want to tell you, ladies, Jesus did more to show in the New Testament equality of the sexes than anyone ever has. Jesus went to bat for all of you. And you see it in teachings in the New Testament like I'm gonna show you in just a moment because the world that the church was going into devalued women horribly. They were just possessions. In the Greco-Roman world, there was a, a statement that was known. And it was, every man should have a wife to deal with his children and his household affairs and mistresses for his enjoyment. So the view of sexuality was just just wide open for a dude. And women had very little privilege. And I want you to notice how he starts off uh, chapter 7. He says, now in response to the matters that you wrote to me about, it's good for a man, he's talking about unmarried people, to not be having sexual relations with a woman But because sexual immorality is so common, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. So he said, hey, save sex for inside the marriage union. And each woman should have sexual relations with her own husband. The the Romans, man, the the Corinthians, they were, they were, it was wide open. He said, no, 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 that's, that's not how marriage needs to be. Bring that back in. One man, one woman. And then look at verse three, and here's where Paul just lays it deep. And if you quickly read it, you'll miss it. He says, a husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. What should we provide to one another? Our marital duty. Circle those two words. In the Greek, it's one word. 
And we're going to throw it up on the screen for you. And I want you to see the definition because he's talking about keeping sex within marriage. Then all of a sudden, man, he just takes it to a whole nother level. The word is Ophelia. And here's what it means. It means a husband and a wife are to love one another with the love that that person deserves and is owed. And it means to love them completely, not just sexually. And what Paul is doing here is he's telling them marriage is more than just having intimate relationships. It is to be intimate in both body, soul, and spirit, not just one, not just in the body. It's not just physical, but to truly love each other and to give our spouse what God has called us to give them, to love them with agape love is Ophelia. Write this down, to love them in the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now in the Greek, we have multiple words for love, right? So we are to have eros in our marriage life. We're to have physical, sexual love inside the marriage union. We're also to love them phileo. Your spouse needs to be your best friend. You need to be able to just go hang out together. You need to be able to laugh together, do stuff out together, go out and eat for, with nothing else on your mind, just enjoying being together. And then love them the way God loves them and love them to their spirit, agape love. And this is the alignment that God's called us to. When we love God with all our hearts and then we can love one another with this type of ophele, this type of agape love. This is what's talking about in Ephesians chapter five. And listen, I'm gonna read a word that some of you women are gonna get mad at real quick because of some woman on TV or in social media told you what she thinks it means, which isn't lined up with the Bible. So if you'll give me grace for 30 seconds, well, it's gonna take me longer than 30. If you'll give me grace for three minutes, I'll explain to you what the word actually means and you won't be mad at me anymore, okay? Here we go. This is what filial love, or excuse me, this is what Ophelia love looks like in the marriage union. This is what agape love uh, does for you. It lets wives, look at verse 22, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. Now the church submits to Christ. So also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's deep, dudes. And he gave himself for her. Look at verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become what? One flesh. Two equals make one whole. Look at verse 33. And to sum up, here's a summary. Each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. I want to tell you, ladies, what every man is longing for is just a little bit of respect. Hey, hey, men, women want to know your love is unconditional and it's true and there's safety and there's security in that. Now, I want you to look at this. That word submission, I know it's the word nobody likes and, and, and it's been terribly preached on for years and just all kinds of ideas out there. You talk to three people, you get three different ideas. But let me tell you what it means. In, that, in the context, because women had no rights and all of a sudden now they're coming into faith. 
And Paul is writing to these Christian women who are coming to faith in Jesus and many of them in marriages that, that were not both, both united in the faith yet. And he gives this word submission. The word submission literally means a voluntarily. It means to voluntarily place yourself under the headship or the authority in that home. It does not mean you're lesser than. And guess what, men? Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say a man has the right to say to a woman, you are to submit to me. If she has to submit to you, it's no longer submission. That's dictatorship. And you're not loving her like Christ loved the church. When a man loves a woman like Christ loves the church, he should be a good listener. He should show her respect, show her honor, and provide protection and leadership for her. And listen to me, when a man loves a woman like Christ loves the church, he'll never have to worry about whether or not she respects him. Because it's a whole lot easier to respect a man. But now listen to me, ladies. You got a choice in this too. Because coming under submission doesn't mean you are behind him or in front of him. It means you come alongside of him. But just like I gave you the rabbi's illustration of rib to rib, that man is supposed to put his arm around your shoulder and under his security, you walk together. And that's what this, this, is, this is the picture of submission and headship. It's not dictatorship. I tell, I tell girls, see, I, I raised all girls. So I, I, I don't even do premarital counseling no more. You know why? They told me I had to quit. No, they didn't. But I just quit. You know why I quit? Because the blooms came in. God bless you, blooms. I love you. But even beyond that, because I used to tell girls, if that dude tells you when he gets home from work and he sits in his lazy boy recliner and says, you bring me a glass of tea, you have the pastor's permission to take a frying pan upside his head. I told all my girls that. Yes, I did. Bless God, I got good son-in-laws. Ain't none of them got a bump on the head. They good. <laughs> Say amen. I got to get done. Here's what it means to love each other with submission. That means meekness. Doesn't mean you're less than. It means you control. It's power. The word meekness, power under control. Write these characteristics down. It's meekness. What does it mean to lead your family and love your wife like Christ loved the church? What does it mean to submit to your husband? It's, a unite, it's together meekness and respect and devotion and leadership and sacrifice. But let me give you the last one and I'm done. Because you cannot know the joy of being aligned in God's love until God's first. Shout, yes, he is. Then you can love one another with agape love unselfishly, right? Can I, can I give you one last point? I won't take long on this. I just need you to know. This is the one that has brought so many relationships crashing down. And it's hard to talk about and it's hard to deal with. Because you see in Jesus, when, in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, when he gave out the proper alignment, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Love your neighbor as your, what? Love your neighbor how? And where many relationships fail, number three, is we have a hard time loving ourselves. In fact, what most people have a struggle with is forgiving themselves for their bad choices and they don't feel worthy to be loved. And so because if you live your life feeling like, you don't deserve to be loved by God, how can you ever freely give yourself to love someone else? 
And how can you ever truly grow in your walk with Christ if you can't sit back and say, I have failed, I have made mistakes, I give it to Jesus, and you allow Jesus to love on you so much that you allow yourself to love yourself. And listen, the reason this is hard to talk about is because in our world right now, we live in a world of self-love experts, and they'll tell you that self-love means Whoever you are and whatever you've done, it's okay. Just love yourself through it. Blah, blah, blah. All's good. No, 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 no. Loving yourself doesn't mean you admit you think everything you've done is right or every character flaw you got's okay. Loving yourself doesn't mean you don't try to do better or you repent of a sin. That's not loving yourself. Come on. Loving yourself is believing that you are worthy to be loved by God. And you realize that nothing you've done will separate you from the love of God, that you can repent and ask Jesus to forgive you, and he will forgive you. He will in no wise cast you out. In fact, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out those who come to me. And when you allow God to love you, and you accept that kind of love, now you're ready to love others and love him back. John said this in 1 John, we love him because he... First, loved us. He went on to also write this in chapter three. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. Somebody just say that because some of you need to hear it come out of your mouth. God's, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. Ephesians 5 says, for no one hates his own flesh, but he provides and cares for it, just like Christ does a church. And that's how we are to love, receiving God's love and then allowing ourselves to love others. Romans 5, 8 says this. If you're here today and you're struggling with accepting God's love, just let me lay this verse on you. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, read it with me. Christ died for us. Look up here. How much does God love you? He loves you enough that in your sins, Jesus still died for you. Jesus looked 2,000 years in the future and he saw you when he was on the cross and he said, I'll still do it. That's how much he loves you. He saw every failure, every mistake. He, he He saw your ability to sin. He saw things you're able to do you don't even know you're able to do yet. And Jesus still went to the cross and he died for you. Now the big question is this, have you allowed Jesus to express that love to you in a way that you receive it and you grab a hold of it yet? Have you reached out and received that love? He stretched out his arms on Calvary's cross for you. Did, will you now reach out your hand and receive that love and let it change you on the inside and motivate you to love your spouse, love that man or woman that God's gonna bring into your life someday. Love the people around you and love God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. Here's your big takeaway today. Write this down. Because I believe that it's once you get into alignment with God's perfect love, that then you will experience true joy. 
And I don't know anybody who doesn't want the joy of the Lord. And true joy is found when you love Jesus first. And then you love others. And then you let God help you love yourself. Through, the, through Christ's eyes, not the world's. Amen? I want to ask everyone in the room to just bow your heads with me for a moment. Watching online, I want to invite you to do the same. And I'm going to ask you, if you've received God's love, just to worship the Lord for a moment. You can lift your hands or you don't have to lift your hands. It's totally up to you. It's just a moment, just a time for you and God to have together. And would you just recommit yourself afresh and anew to God's love? Would you let him love you? If you're struggling today, allowing God to love you, would you be willing, would you be so bold just to tell God, God, this is hard for me to do right now. But the best I know how, by faith, I'm just gonna sit here for a moment and let you love on me. Help me to receive your love today. Help me to believe that I'm worthy to be loved, to be forgiven, to be given a new chance. Would you just let God wrap his arms around you right now and love you? Father, love on your people, I pray. Encourage them and strengthen them. While you're receiving that love, would you now say, Lord, help me now to go love the people in my life and love them the way I love you. And then I'll know joy, the joy of the Lord. Would you just pray that prayer to the Lord today? Father, bless your people as they pray. Lord, I know that in this room and watching online, there are others who today would say they have never accepted your love and your gift of salvation. So Father God, as we're praying and worshiping right now and we're meditating on you, Father, if there be that one here today, that God, you're drawn into a salvation moment, drawn into a personal relationship with you. God, would you give them the courage to reach up in faith and receive your gift? and dedicate their lives to following you from this moment forward. God, give them that courage, I pray. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed. If you're here this morning or watching online, you've never given your heart to Christ. But today you say, Pastor, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to do something. Jesus stretched out his hands for you and died. I'm gonna ask you to do something with heads bowed all over the house. If you wanna pray a prayer with me and to give your heart to Jesus for the first time and receive him as your savior, receive his love for you, if you want that today, I'm just gonna ask you to stretch your hand up real quickly, and then you can put it right back down. And I just wanna pray a prayer over you. I wanna actually lead you this morning to pray a prayer with me this morning, all right? Go ahead. And now I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to pray this prayer with me. Right there at home or online, you can pray it as well. Pray, Lord Jesus, right here and right now, I receive your amazing love. I ask you to forgive all my sin. Come live in my heart. And from this day forward, I will follow you. I receive your gift of salvation in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net. 
and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit. Thank you for joining us today for The Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our